Wake up, John Doe, you're the hope of the world. think of uh San- Sa- santa slay satan slay um with bill goldberg <laughs> he keeps seeing bill goldberg and it's like i don't i think that's a member of the goldbergs the show yeah like if you just say goldberg the wrestler i would have known who it was the whole time you know you told me that last night as if it was going to be like you know what yeah you're right I don't think just using the guy's last name would have made you aware of who he was even more. If you said with Goldberg, I would have recognized that that was a wrestler. 
Bill Goldberg sounds like, I don't know, someone's doctor, your pharmacist, <laughs> um, a member of the show, The Goldbergs. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't. He he played Santa Claus in that uh, sh- movie. So he was evil in that. Well, he was, I think he was like a Krampus, like a, a Nordic thing. And there was like a like a story that like an angel came down and like challenged him to a game of... Uh, was that where you sweep the ice? Is that, um, oh, what's it called? It's not High Lie. No, it's, um, the, the, isn't it that game that they play in the Olympics? Uh, where they like sweep the ice? Sweeps, supermarket sweepstakes or some shit? Yeah, something like that. What the fuck is that called? Ice ball challenge? Belugeing or something like that? Uh, no. God damn it. I'll think of it. Yeah, we'll think of it. Um, whatever. Yeah, so he, uh, an angel came down. And made a deal with evil Santa Claus. And he said, if I get this closer to the hole than yours in the ice, then uh, you got to stop being evil. Yeah, no more murders every December 25th. Yeah, but only for a thousand years, right? For and a then, thousand years, And yeah. then the movie takes place exactly a thousand years later. Yeah, yeah, and it opens with a man that is like a the angel that came back. Was he just always around? The old man? He was yeah. the grandpa. Spoiler alert. Is that like how Miracle on 34th Street went? Mm. Or 2nd Street? 32nd Street? 30, 42nd Street? I think it's 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. It's That's like a the best... one where they're like, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. I thought that was um, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, shit. Maybe it is. What was Miracle on 34th Street about? Wasn't it like... They put Santa in jail or something like that, and she had to prove that Santa was real. Shit, you know what? I don't know now. Now maybe because maybe they were they were having like a parade or something. Mm. Was was uh, what's that bitch's name? Shirley Temple. Curly Sue or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she was in there. That's the one where she like pulls on his beard and he goes, "Ooh." Okay. I think I was I was confusing that with "It's a Wonderful Life." Yeah, yeah. So now I have no idea. Which is one of the greatest uh, movies about suicide that took place during Christmas. Does he kill himself? I think he was going to, and then they convinced him not to. Isn't that kind of the same story as uh, the... Um, it's a Wonderful Knife? No, Yeah, that, but I'm talking about... What's the one where the Scrooge comes and... Oh, no, he wasn't going to kill himself, though. He was going to... Uh, no, but he was going to die like an asshole, which is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think It's a Wonderful Life was, like, more immediate. He was, like, yeah. about to jump off, like, a bridge or something. And the angel came and stopped him? And he was like, hey, buddy, you don't want to do that. They did an episode of Family Matters like that. Remember where the angel had the uh, remote control? He could, oh, like, fast forward and shit? Oh, yeah. They did like that, yeah. Okay, I always get those two movies. Those movies are, like, interchangeable in my mind, too. Well, Family Matters and... No, uh, the what's the Evan Hughes Scrooge movie called? Oh, uh, uh, Three Screws to the Wind or some shit? The no. Sc- the Three Scrooges? The, a Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, like the storyline. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they yeah. both get visited by demons. Well, I think in, in It's a Wonderful Life is just one, and I think it's an angel. I don't mm. think it's a demon. Potato, potato. It might be a demon. You never know. 
the, the history is always told through the eyes of the victors, right? That is true. That is very <laughs> true. Um, we should probably start the show. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Actual Comedy Presents, an actual podcast. I'm Angel Ace. And I'm Aaron. And uh, we're here to bring you uh, another great episode. Um, last week, we started the session by talking about the uh, history of Christmas. Um and we decided, we had so many notes that we decided to break it up into like three parts. So um, the second part we're going to do today, uh, and that's going to, how did we break this down? By time period? I did my best to kind of break it down. So my my initial uh, research was about like ancient winter traditions that happened around Christmas, but like before Christmas was a thing. Mm-hmm. So now this, this episode we're going to be focusing on, like I guess medieval times like basically from like when the christians came on the scene okay un- up until like not not current day but you know what i mean more contemporary okay yeah gotcha so um we talked about how like last week i was going over about talking about <laughs> saturnalia mm-hmm. and how um they celebrated September 25th, or Jesus Christ, December 25th as the Dia de Solis Invictus or whatever, which was the birth of the Invincible Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that was the date that was kind of like settled on. Um, the decision to make Jesus's birthday that date, even though it was like pretty much widely, widely accepted by historians mm-hmm. that that's not when he was actually born was made by uh, the Emperor Constantine in the 4th century. So this guy was the guy that, like, worked with the Pope to bring, like, Catholicism or Christianity, like, worldwide? I think so, yeah, because... Mr. Worldwide? Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. Mr. 305. Yeah, because he um, he was working with Pope uh, Ju- Julius, I believe. Okay. Um, but, so, they decided that... The 1225 would be the day that the Christians, quote unquote, celebrated Christmas. Okay. Um, In the book, there's a book called 4,000 Years of Christmas, and it said that 1225 was sacred not only to pagan Romans, but to a religion from Persia, Mithraism, which was uh, another religion that we talked about, like, last. Yeah, yeah. Mithraism. Um, And that's, like, a religion that also the guy that we talked about the trans emperor Mm. that came over that you know that they just transed yeah yeah posthumously um he was joanna caesar he was he was a mithraic he was a mithraic ruler like that's what that's what his line was of so um anyway uh all of the all of these different groups of people use the 25th as like their day of celebration. Okay. So basically I think that's around the council of my, like the first council of Nicaea times. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's when they decided that that would be the date with like Catholicism or within Christianity or whatever. That's when they decided a lot of things that have to do with that. Yeah. They, they made up like so many decisions. Yeah. Um, so we talked about Saturnalia, which was given its name to honor Saturn, the Roman God of agriculture. Um, that observance was adopted by the early Roman church leaders 
and then it was given the name of Christ Mass to permit pagans converting to Christianity to continue their former practices, helping to swell the number of nominal adherents to Christianity, failing to make headway in converting the pagans, the religious leaders of the Roman Church, began compromising by dressing the heathen customs in Christian-looking garb. But rather than converting them to church beliefs, the church largely converted the non-Christian customs into its own practices. What that means. You don't understand what I just said? No, it was just a lot. I know. I was trying to, like, say, like, the the, uh, fucking article I read just put it in a succinct way. (laughs) Succinct? Is it succinct or succinct? Uh, I don't think you pronounced a, a <laughs> K in it. <laughs> There's no K in succinct. Oh, really? I think it's two C's. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, shit. All right. Sucked? Maybe. I'm sorry. Did you say that sucked? Basically, it's saying when the Roman Empire was a thing, mm-hmm. they they made Saturnalia the, the reigning religion because Saturn was the main god of the most of the people yeah yeah um like I said they kind of like rolled the customs of all the people around Mm. into Saturnalia right okay when Christianity became the main religion they turned Saturnalia into Christ mass Mm -hmm. which was Christmas okay gotcha you know what I mean so basically switching out the the birth of the infinite uh, the invincible son for uh, the birth of the invincible human son of God. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, not really, but... No, it doesn't. So, basically, what happened was, in an effort to gather all the, like, kind of Christian ad- adherents into Christianity, mm-hmm. the Romans would... Ad- put like whatever they were doing for their practices of spiritual spiritual oh my god i can't say the word spirituality spirituality they would like put it in christian looking garb yeah and give it back to them so that they could continue on with their own practices while still being like vaguely christian Gotcha. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um... Because it's easier for somebody to control a population if they all have the one religion. Exactly. So you just introduce different elements that different parts of the population are used to under the one umbrella. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, they just basically changed the name, but basically... Up and t- they were still celebrating Saturnalia for a while. Okay. Uh, when did um, that change? Christmas was not made a Roman holiday until 534. Okay. Um, and then it took 300 years for the new name and symbols of Christmas to be replaced with the old name and meetings of the winter festival. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So over the course of that time is probably when they added the other shit, right? Like they, add, they like switched the out like the baby. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the term Christmas first became part of the English language in the 11th century uh, as an amalgamation of the old English expression, which was Christus Mice or Christ Christmas. Okay. Um, meaning Festival of Christ. And that was English that it came from? Yeah, that okay. was like the European gotcha. version of whatever like the Roman Empire had control of. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that area. Yeah. Um. It was Pope Julius I that settled on December 25th as the date of Christmas. 
Um, in the early Middle Ages, Christmas was not really popular. Um, they celebrated Epiphany. Hmm. Uh, do you know what that is? No. Well, wait a minute. I think it might be coming to me. No, that was a joke. Go ahead. What, tell me what it was. So Epiphany is the, a celebration of the visit from the three kings, mm-hmm. the the magi. Um, the gift of the magi. Exactly. Guess what the date of that is? What? January 6th. Oh. oh Illuminati shit. Uh, anyway, what? I don't know. I just was making shit up. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were celebrating the, the, the three kings that visited uh, Jesus in the early Middle Ages more than Christmas. So they celebrated that on January 6th. Uh, the three kings' names were Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Wait, hold on. Yeah, the January 6th, is that Three Kings Day? Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. That's what Puerto Ricans uh, celebrate. Really? Yeah. You put, like, hay... Well, when I was a kid, you put, like, hay under your bed, and then uh, the Three Kings were... I don't know if they were on reindeer or whatever. I, I just imagine <laughs> that they were flying next next to your house, and they... they. Oh, no, no, no. You left the hay out for their uh, their donkeys, Okay. And then as payment, they would leave you a present. What was the present? Whatever. I got like a bunch of toy trucks. Separate from Christmas? Yeah, dog. And my birthday's in February, so. Damn. Yeah, it was a good little couple weeks for me as as a kid. Little angel. (laughs) So, yeah, that was the three kings that they were, that was January 6th that was celebrated. Um, So... I told you there are three kings' names. Yeah, Balthazar. Balthazar. Fuck. Melchior and Casper. Like, Casper the friendly ghost. There's a whole lot more about them, but I didn't have time to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, During Epiphany, uh, they celebrated the Feast of the Magi visiting the Christ child, and thus Jesus Jesus Christ's manifestation to the Gentiles. Mm. So that means, I guess, him becoming... A real person because three people saw him. Wait, Christians use Gentile too? I thought that was just a Jewish thing. I, I guess is is Gentile just not Jew? Where did I hear? Isn't there like a famous speech where they go Jews and Gentiles? <sighs> some I think Jesus probably said that. No, it was like FDR or something. You know shit. what's funny is I the word was underlined and I meant to look it up, but I was like I gotta stay fucking focused here yeah so we'll get back to that okay i'm sorry no 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 it's fine because that's a, that's a question that i had as well yeah was like what the fuck uh what's the difference there have been times in my life when i was able to ejaculate in another position but especially as i've getting older and fatter it's pretty much the only position that works for me okay that makes sense <laughs> I'm excited about all these new uh, sound clips that we have. Yeah, Angel spent the last week that he had off uh, making us about 200 Nathan for you. Well, should we tell him where we got him from? No. Not really. But it's also <laughs> not just from that show. No, but a lot of them are from like little like funny bits. Yeah. Um, what that means. What that means. <laughs> Are you going to keep going with the... I just wanted to see what you're about to do, because you're kind of throwing me off. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do anything. I don't want an Indian girlfriend. Okay. (laughs) That's fine with me. That's ridiculous. Okay. So let's see. 
We got the gift of the Magi. We celebrate the, Magi's the feast, that's right? Epiphany. Okay. Um, so one of the customs that I just like happened to write down of the Epiphany celebration mm-hmm. was a thing called chalking the door. Oh. Yeah. Tell me so about this. the people would write the initials of the names of the three Magi, which was C M B. And then the year on either top of it, on either side. So, like, look, see how I've written this here? Can you see what I'm doing? You're holding up your notebook with Can you uh, see? an entire page I told of you notes. You need glasses. Hold on. Right where I'm pointing here. Do you see how that's written? Okay, yeah, I do CMB see how that's written. But I just want to make. year on either side of it? I want to make everyone clear that she was making fun of my vision, but she handed me <laughs> a large notebook with literally every spot on the notebook <laughs> on the page filled with things. And was like, can you see this? I'm like, yeah, I think. I don't know. I, that's, I see that's all fair. of it. Now that I see it from like a distance, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair thing to say. But anyway, it looks like, okay, so if you took the. the next year that it's going to be which would be 2024 mm-hmm. it'll be 20 plus c plus m plus b plus 24 and that would be the chalking the door custom okay and what does that stand for it was like a blessing on the house i guess sometimes like priests would bless the chalk a mathematical or whatever blessing? which is weird right yeah, i like got him like i wanted to look more into that but i was like oh, this is all like i can get into right now so the, but people still do that a bunch people of nerds. still write that and um, apparently, oh, they're, they the putting the year on it was weird to me too. I guess it's trying to say that like the three wise men are gonna be with you for the whole year. Well, you put it in between the four numbers, right? No, yeah. Well, yeah. You so put you put the first then, two. The the yeah the. Yeah, so the CMB would probably be like during the year or whatever in that formula yeah yeah but it's just the initials of the the three different uh magi that's weird right especially because it's been translated so i wonder if their names mean something else i i i looked like them up a little bit and it was like they were all um like sainted Mm -hmm. by the catholic church and they were like venerated with like symbolism of um fucking like travel uh some other shit like that like oh, okay yeah like weird um so that was like what was a major holiday dur- from for the christians during the middle ages mm-hmm. um the period known as advent was new, uh was originally known as the 40 days of saint martin um, because it began on November 11th, the Feast of St. Martin of Tours. And um, I don't know what that... Oh, shit, am I looking too far away? Do I need to say that again? The Feast of St. Martin? Yeah, the Feast of St. Martin. So I didn't actually look that up what that was, but that was like the beginning of the Advent calendar, I guess the days before. Because it was 40 days before Christmas. Oh, 40 days, 40 nights. Yeah, it's weird. Um Gift-giving was temporarily banned by the Catholic Church due to its suspected pagan origins. Oh, okay. Um, it became popular again as the festive season in the Middle Ages uh, and became a time—I'm sorry, in the Middle Ages uh, because it became a time of excess dominated by a great feast, gifts for rich and poor, and general indulgence in eating, drinking, dancing, and singing. Yeah. So like probably the only time they had to like celebrate. Yeah, pretty. That, in between that was plagues. actually it was. 
Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what what it was. And they did a lot of the same rituals that they did during Saturnalia, where, like, the slaves were uh, served by their king. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, role reversals and that type of shit. Right, so that, like, carried on as part of that tradition. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and... um, Probably also has to do with that whole, like, uh, not the actual giving of gifts, but the act of it. Of, like, self-sacrifice, of, like, giving to others instead of yourself during that season? Yeah, yeah. I, there was one thing, I'll get to it in a minute, that was odd to me about... Because in, in the Saturnalia Festival, the gift-giving thing was, like, a like a prank gift. Like, they oh. were, like, little... They were called, like, sig- sig- sigillaries or some shit like that. Oh. And they were, like, tiny versions of pottery or, like, other things made out of, like, pottery or, or like, some sort of wax. Oh. So they weren't like real gifts. So they were like just Spencer's, like, like yeah, or like hot topic, or or like um, basically what you would get out of like a like a Cracker Jack box, okay. like shit like that. Gotcha, yeah. Like mostly gag gifts. Yeah. Um, but nobody cried if they didn't get one. Exactly. Gotcha. I think it was okay. yeah. I, it was kind of like Halloween the way they do like trick or treat. Like if you have shitty candy, it's like. You know, whatever. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. it, it's not like you've been waiting on this Xbox all year and your parents didn't come through. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would have went with PlayStation 5, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever game box you like. Whatever gay box. Whatever gay box you like. Um, so, uh, during the medieval times, many monarchs chose Christmas as their uh, coronation day. Okay. Uh, including William the Conqueror, whose coronation was on Christmas Day in 1066, um, and it incited so much cheer and merriment inside of Westminster Abbey that the guards stationed outside believed the king was under attack and rushed to assist him, and that culminated in uh, a riot which saw many people killed and houses burned. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, no, no. We love him. We love him. <laughs> Get away! They're like we're we're crowd, we're we're laughing. <laughs> it is like sometimes like I guess, yeah. How do you how do you you need to have like a specific like alarm? Maybe that's when they built alarm bells, like specific ones. Oh, because like if you make like a lot of noise, you yeah. can't really tell sometimes if you're crying or true. Yeah, laughing. Like sometimes if I'm happy, I cry. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's weird though. Yeah, well. I guess, but maybe they are, they were weird back then too. That's true. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, so what I was like reading about, uh, the medieval Christmas, uh, I came upon some different things that they would eat and like sim, not symbols, but things that, uh, kind of came from their customs. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them was mince pies. Oh, the fucking, uh. Yeah, Dolores so, Roach thing, right? That's different. No, um, mince pies were originally baked in rectangular cases to represent the infant Jesus crib, and um, the addition of cinnamon cloves and nutmeg was meant to symbolize the gifts be- bestowed by the wise men. Um, oh, okay. Wait, was what was minced in it though? So was it meat? Meat. It says the pies weren't very good, and it was seen as lucky to eat one of them each of the 12 days of Christmas. Mince pies were originally made with a variety of shredded meats and spices, um, but the Victorian age uh, amended the recipe to only include spices and fruit. 
Oh, fruitcake. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So they were originally like small, like meat pies Mm -hmm. that were supposed to symbolize um, Christ, I guess. The meat was Christ and the the seasoning. Body Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Uh, (laughs) um, So that mince pies. Oh, and then the next thing that came from that was the term humble pie. Oh, get a dose of that up in here. Yeah, in the medieval times, goose and venison were the most common meats eaten during uh, Christmas feasts. Um, The poor were not allowed to eat the best cuts of meat. However, if the Christmas spirit, like, enticed the Lord to donate unwanted parts of the family's Christmas deer, Mm -hmm. the offal, O-F-F-A-L, which was also known as the umbles, U-M-B-L-E-S, um would go to like their slaves or whatever or their whoever. That's where scrapple came from. Exactly. Yeah. So uh it would PA be scrapple. mixed with other meat to make it go further. Um and in the case the poor would be eating humble pie. Or humble pie, I'm sorry. And uh, then the expression was now was is now used to like say like somebody was taken down off of their pedestal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like that's like that's kinda like the 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 vibe I was getting from this whole Christmas spirit thing was that like the poor or the rich like put on a play for like the people that were working for them once a year mm-hmm. and let them like get drunk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gave them a little bit of pie. Yeah. From like their their uh, off <laughs> their running their off runs or whatever. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, is that what the whole let em eat cake was about though? No, that was a. Uh... French or oh. British monarchy thing? <laughs> uh, another thing, I don't know, this one's not even really related. Uh, another time during like the medieval, like Christmas, I guess we'll call it Advent because it was like basically 40 days. Okay. Like, yeah. Going kind of from, from around Thanksgiving until uh, the 6th of January. So, uh, Boxing Day, Canada. It, no, but it was well. Yes, but it was also celebrated in like Europe yeah, and stuff. The French, and it was um, seen as a reversal of fortunes, where the rich provide gifts to the poor. Um, in medieval times, the gift was usually money, and it was provided in a hollow clay pot with a slit in the top, which had to be smashed for the money to be taken out. <laughs> yeah, the clay pots were nicknamed piggies. And thus became the first version of the piggy banks we use today. Unfortunately, Christmas Day was also traditionally a quarter day, one of four days in the financial year on which payments such as ground rents were due, meaning that tenants would have to pay for their rent on Christmas Day. Oh, so they got like a free quarter year rent for Christmas, basically. No, they got like a like their rent was due, but they got like a dime in the mail. Well, how much was rent back then? Probably like a dime, right? I don't think it was like that. Oh. No, no, I think it was like kind of like a like a joke gift. Oh, uh, you know I mean? okay, yeah, yeah. Like a gag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during the Middle Ages, most people that were uh, Christian were fasting during the twenty-five days of Advent, okay. and then on the morning of December twenty-fifth, they went nuts. Um, once Christmas came around, if you had the stamina, you were expected to eat, drink, and be merry, dress up, play games, and go dancing around the neighborhood for 12 days solid until you collapsed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Sounds and then pretty awesome, actually. During that time, uh, 
Christmas caroling was banned from churches. Oh. Um, I guess the caroler, carolers were getting, like, wild and disturbing the mass. Uh, so that's why they, like, they got sent the them spirit out. in them, they, too. They huh? sent them outside. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, go take this around to the neighborhood. <laughs> uh... We talked about feasting. That was another part of it. Um, so, oh, that's what I was saying. Remember I asked you what lampreys were? Yeah. Um, so large festive meals were, again, a part of the, the holiday celebrations. Mm-hmm. And the decadence depended on the status. Most middle-class families would have a pig killed and brined in November to prepare their feast for the, uh, you know, for the... They would have it killed in November to prepare it for okay. the feast in December. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You gotta let it soak up the juices for a while. Exactly. Yeah. You had to get it nice and salty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the lords and the royalty like went nuts with these feasts. Mm. Um, and they had a taste for more exotic meats. Um, and that's why I asked you what a lamprey was because King Henry III had ordered as many lampreys as possible for one of his feasts. Oh, man. And they also had porpoise in there. Oh, dolphin. Yeah. Shit. Uh, salmon, crayfish, eels, uh, and shitloads of wine. Um, drinking was, like, pretty much, like, required during, like, the festive times. We're going to go out drinking, partying. Does it? You want the other one? That was part. I thought, that was one. This is- We're going to go out drinking, partying. Getting up and having all fun with all the hot ladies. That's exactly it. You got to keep it going during this festival because it's 12 days long. Oh. And you got to, like, keep you gotta keep the fire burning. Okay. So, um, the, like I said, the royalty drank wine. Commoners drank ales and uh, spiced cider. Mm. Um, other things that came about during this time was mumming, hoggling, and the Feast of Fools. Oh. Um, we know in Philadelphia about the Mummers Parade. Yeah, yeah. That's when the guys dress up like uh, chicks. Yeah, exactly. So mumming was a popular pastime in medieval Christmas villages. I'm sorry, <laughs> medieval English villages. Oh. Um, the Mummers would dress up in animal masks or disguise themselves as women and then go door to door singing festive folk songs, telling jokes. Um some did it for free, while others expected a few coins or some gifts in exchange. Uh, or else. Yeah, the animal. They said the animal mask may have been related to another strange Christmas tradition that was practiced by royalty, and I think this is hoggling, um, and it's uh, where the royalty, royal royalty. I just fucking shorted it out there. Royalty would. Uh, parade through feasting halls wearing whole animal heads, uh, usually a boar head, and singing special songs. Mm. The most common costume, like I said, was a boar's head. Uh, Later on, uh, the actual boar head was replaced by a wooden mask that looked like a a boar. What's a boar's head nowadays? Is that like a deli meat or is that a vodka? I think it's a deli meat. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's deli meat. They make ham. Yeah, yeah. Ram, Boar's ham. head. So, yeah, so, but you know what? It was reminding me of all that. Remember we saw that show where everybody would, like, dress up in animal masks? It was, like, a bunch of different shows that we've watched where, like, whenever they're doing their r- rituals, they're wearing, like, an animal mask. Yeah, yeah. And what is that? 
Oh, is that that, like, fucking, uh, what's that dumb thing they do in California? The Bohemian Grove shit? Yeah, yeah, Don't they, like, do an owl thing there? Is it owl? I think so, yeah. Oh. So that was hoggling, was these rich people that would wear, like, a, a pig head and then parade it through their house yeah. in front of their servants. That's weird. Was that, like, a symbolic sacrifice? Do you think they, you think they thought they could, like, fool the gods? Like they were sacrificing themselves. <laughs> yeah, they'll never suspect me. <laughs> uh, the last, oh, not the last. Well, there's a couple of other things. The last thing, um, I said there's a couple other things. The Feast of Fools was held on January 1st. We talked about before in Saturnalia, they picked like a Lord of Misrule. Yeah, yeah. That was um, also kind of like carried over in the Feast of Fools during like the Christmas tide celebration. Okay. Um, it was held on January 1st. Um, priests, deacons, and other church officials were given a brief license to be silly. Oh. <laughs> Role reversals were popular in which lowly subdeacons delivered sermons and sometimes they got out of control. <laughs> oh, man. Wonder according- what that meant. <laughs> according to, uh, a French a 15th century French account condemning the practice. Uh, mm-hmm. It said priests and clerks were seen wearing masks and monstrous and monstrous visages at the hours of the office. Uh, they dance in the choir dressed as women, panders, or minstrels. Oh shit! They sing wanton songs. They eat black pudding while they cele- while the celebrant is saying mass. They play at dice. They run. Yeah, so they're they're fucking drinking, partying, gambling. Black pudding is made out of blood. They, yeah, they eat. They're saying Ugh. they're eating black pudding while the celebrant is saying mass. Oh God, that's weird. They yeah. play dice. Uh, they run and leap through the church and um, have no uh, what's it called like embarrassment. Oh, yeah. About it. No, they don't have to be held accountable for what... They, it's like a purge. Yeah, it's, it's but right. But being silly. It's a purge, it's literally. It's a silly purge, yeah. So, so that was... it's And that was the Feast of Fools. That was held up until, like, the 15th century. Okay. Yeah. And it's, like, debatable. This is where they would um, sometimes uh, elect the, the uh, Lord of Misrule mm-hmm. <laughs> during the Feast of Fools. Okay. Uh, and then he was like the sacrificial person that would like be the the he would be the one uh, over top of all the crazy festi- festivals. And then when it was over, like he was the one responsible. And I think in some accounts he was like sacrificed at the end. Oh wow! Yeah. So I don't know if that's like lore or history. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. It's interesting. Right. Oh, uh, there was something called bean cake that was celebrated on January fifth. Um, and that's the twelfth night of twelfth tide. Bean cake. Bean cake. Uh, I'm sorry. The celebration was twelfth tide. I guess the twelfth days of Christmas. Whatever. So what's bean cake? Bean cake. Um. It was like a uh, so twelfth tide was a night of practical jokes. Blah blah blah. The centered piece of the night was this bean cake, um, and it was a rich fruit cake, and it was, uh, dried. I'm sorry. It was a rich fruit 
filled cake and it had one dried bean hidden in it. Whoever got the slice with the bean was named the Lord of Misrule and could give partygoers silly penalties. Wait, where does this come from? Um, this is like like I guess Roman English history. I medieval? wonder if it's like French because uh, could I mean they were they do that they do that uh, thing during Mardi Gras in in New Orleans. Yeah, with the baby in the with cake. with the baby right? in the cake. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like king it's, cake. I think it's called. Yeah, it's probably like somewhat related. But when is Mardi Gras? Uh you got me. Sorry. <laughs> Damn, I've been going on about this for that long. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty much like the, the last thing I kind of got about Middle East, Middle Eastern, Middle Ages Christmas. Okay. Um, another thing that they would do was a thing called uh, pros- prognostication. Um, and there were these texts... Um, that priests poured over that were called prognostics that explained the Bible-centered practice of interpreting sights from nature, storms, wind, rainbows, and whatever to predict weather for the upcoming year. Um, oh, like a farmer's almanac? Exactly, okay. exactly. So um, so the, the, their idea was that God sent signs for those who could read them, and the 12 days of Christmas were a special time, uh, a sunny, clear Christmas Day meant like a warm and mild spring um, with a good crop and harvest of heavy, strong winds or signaled a bad year for uh, the rich and powerful. Wow. Weird, right? Yeah. So that was Middle Ages. Middle e- midi- medieval is the weirdest fucking word to, to spell. Because evil's not, there's no I in it or something? It's like, it's medieval. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to write medieval. Yeah, every time. Yeah. And is that how you're supposed to say it? Medieval. I guess it's just like with an Italian accent. Um, medieval. Yeah, I guess it depends. <laughs> I just started to say renaissance recently. So. Renaissance? Yeah. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was Yule, which we'll get through quick because I want to hear about the other shit. Okay. Um, Yule is a Scandinavian Germanic festival that was incorporated into the Christmas holidays um, during the Christianization of the Germanic peoples. Oh. Um, scholars have connected the original celebrations to uh, of Yule to uh, the wild hunt, um, and that was associated with the god Odin and the heathen uh, Anglo-Saxon... Remember it said Modronite in that show last night that we were watching? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that that was like Mother's Night. Oh. Um, so the term Yule um, represents the winter holiday season. Okay. It, in Finnish, Estonian, Scandinavian, um, it's been talked about pre-Christian. Mm. And also in like Old Norse texts, um, and it was associated with Old Norse deities. So basically, um, Yule was uh, associated with Odin. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. So anyway, it, Yule is observed by like a lot of those like Scandinavian, German, um, all that shit. Like I told you about. Okay. Uh, the Wild Hunt um, is a folklore motif occur- occurring across. Um, 
northern European cultures. It's like the four horsemen, right? Yeah, exactly. It involves a chase led by a mythological figure escorted by ghostly hunters engaged in pursuit. Um, Sometimes that would show up as like a a dog, like a ghost dog. Yeah, yeah, that's where Cerberus came from, yeah. Yeah, and that's where, that reminded me of the thing from uh, Coco. Dante? Oh. uh, Or or also from the, the Nightmare Before Christmas thing the dog oh yeah yeah, yeah. ghost um, or whatever his name was was that his name i don't know uh the leader of the hunt was odin um blah 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 <laughs> sometimes he but he was linked to other biblical figures like herod cain gabriel or the devil oh um but see i feel like a lot of this nordic uh folklore has either been hidden um or like not it's verbal. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, there's not yeah. that much of it written down. Yeah, I think a lot of those like Slavic and Nordic like countries have those types of traditions. Yeah. So because that Modra night or Mother's Night was an event focused on the collective female beings as a f- fertility event. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that is Yule. Um, it was basically celebrated the same time as Christmas. It was forty days long, the same way that. Uh, Advent is mm-hmm. um, the twelve days of Christmas came from the twelve days of Yule, um, and it was an Anglicanized from the Norse word Yule, which is J U L, like the like the vape. Oh shit, <laughs> that's where that comes from. The name for mid the midwinter festival oriented around the shortest day of the year. Um, during Yule tide, the Yor- the Nordic people celebrated the return of the sun. Like, when the days got longer, which is basically the theme through every piece of, like, ancient... Yeah. Whatever. Um, and they celebrated it as a period of birth and death and rebirth. Um, they commemorated the dead and offered sacrifices for fertility, hoping for a good harvest. Same as the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Yuletide festi- festivities lasted from um, three to eventually 12 days. Okay. Um, which was between the winter solstice and the beginning of the next solar year. And again, they said those days were sacred and they belonged to neither the old year or the new year. These are the days of the least sunlight. Um, old, old Celts, ancient Celts, believed that the sun stood still for 12 days. Um, mm-hmm. And on those days, they lit fires to conquer the darkness and banish evil spirits. Uh, so... Yeah, so the druids are the ones that are uh, uh, believed to have created the Yule Log. Oh, and that leads us to our next segment, right? Yeah. In the name of Jesus, you be made whole by the power of God. All right, that's our speaking spell segment, everyone, uh, where we discuss... uh, Different types of spells. It doesn't have to be a spell, right? It could be like different types of uh, magic that has been handed down over yeah, the generations. Yeah, magic that people can maybe don't know they're doing. Right. Um, so the Yule Log um, was thought to have been a dru- druidic in like its uh, development. Like mm. The druids developed it. So basically it was a large bough of a tree that was cut up into 12 sections. Okay. And... Um, it was meant so that there was a fire burning at all times throughout these 12 days of Christmas. Okay. Um, they believe that if you, like some people that did, I guess, like divination or whatever, mm. could read the um, 
the piece of the Yule log that you put in the fire, like mm. the way people do li- like your tea leaves or okay, tarot yeah, cards yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, each day you would put in like a piece of it. And then after that had burned, um, after the last day, you put it under your bed okay. for the rest of the year. And then uh, you light the next year's Yule log with the like the remnants of the one from the one before. And that's to symbolize like the light moving through the whole year, like staying on through the whole year. Gotcha. So it was just like ashes and then you just like. I guess. Yeah. Cause some people like, I guess depending on like whatever their cultural, like, and whatever was around them, different like, uh, plants and stuff stood for different things. So they would like adorn these logs with different things mm-hmm. so it took them longer to burn so i'm assuming like whatever was like left over oh, okay. and i'm assuming it's big enough that it would last for 12 days so well how many people scoop up one uh piece it must be like per household oh right? yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean like it has to go under like the master's bed or whatever <laughs> Man, it'd be weird if like uh the tradition was that everybody gets their own christmas tree in the house well you know i think maybe it was and then there was a lot of fires oh. <laughs> damn yule logs yeah um because they were like they, they would read the burning uh divinations like uh, the each piece when it went into the fire they would read it and say okay it's going to be a good year like based on how many sparks came off or like what the shapes it made when it was burning mm-hmm. and then after it was burning they took it and put it under their bed okay and then the next night i guess put the next piece you know what i mean like i guess they kept the ashes yeah yeah each night and then, uh, you know what okay. I mean? yeah, it was like an amalgamation of all the different nights of ashes or exactly whatever. okay that yeah. makes sense yeah, so... Um, so they did that for, what, like a couple thousand years or just a couple hundred years? Um, well, people are still doing that. In fact, there's a channel on TV that has a Yule log burning 24 hours a day. It might just be on Christmas, but it might be for like a week. Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, it's yeah. It's like one channel, and it's like that's all they play for... The, a lot of those like streaming services do that for like Halloween and for Christmas. It's like... Uh, Either they have like a jack uh, a jack o' lantern like that has like a light inside of it. Yeah. There's like no sound coming out. It's just that, that you yeah. just put on your TV as like background. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like videos that you put on for like your dog when you're not home. <laughs> yeah. Like who? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if you get the same effect if you just have a picture of fire. You know what I mean? Like people that are that, that practice any kind of like craft you gotta like breathe in the mesothelioma yeah you need the fire actually like the bur- the burning so do you think there was any like mysticism like involved with that like maybe it, didn't they say like they used to use ashes as like a bug repellent like, that back too then, like maybe like that was like a way to keep like uh poisonous or venomous like bugs like away from your bed or well you gotta figure like like 80% of these traditions were before electricity. So they had to keep that's fucking true. fires burning all the time. Yeah, that's so, true. So, like, if you're in a village, the way to do that when it's, like, cold at night and, you know, the nights are longer than the days would be to just stay up for those 12 days. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. And just get drunk and fucked up because the alcohol keeps you from getting, like, too cold. I guess this is a dangerous game. That's why I have to eat so much. Yeah, 
<laughs> but isn't that like also not true about alcohol? Doesn't it like constrict your blood vessels? It's not true. It just makes you not feel cold. Oh yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's like heroin. <laughs> exactly. Like, you do heroin, you're probably well. Would you get cold? If, I mean, if you don't on feel the it, down, yeah. I guess like if you start to get like uh, what's that called? What's it called? Gummed Frostbite. Up? Oh yeah, yeah, Frostburn. Yeah. The Jack Nicholson shit. Yeah, that yeah. shit. Wow. Wow, yeah, so, so that is the that is the that's the uh, ritual of the Yule log. So they take twelve pieces of one tree, right? Yeah, it's like one, I guess one bough, whatever that B O U G H. Yeah, and then you separate that into twelve pieces yeah. for each of the nights, yeah. and then you burn one, take the ashes, put it in the next night with the next. No, piece. no, I think you keep the ashes to the side, like for the next year, like from. Each okay, night. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? That's what made the most sense in my brain. Maybe the people did it different ways. I don't know. Mm. But it was just one of those things where it's like where you keep like the top of your wedding cake for a year. Right. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is to symbolize like the light staying all around for all of the year. Gotcha. Because the uh, the ancient Celts thought that the sun was standing still for 12 days. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Well, there you go, guys. That was our speaking spell segment today. Yeah, you know what's funny about the whole U-log thing? What, the first time I heard it, I thought it was like a weird demand. <laughs> like, I was like, they were like, uh, yeah, and then you, uh, the U-log. And I was like, I'll log what? <laughs> I thought I had to, like, keep notes on stuff. Um, you know what's funny? In one of something I was reading in another rabbit hole I didn't have time to go down was Yule was tied to eulogy in some way oh yeah i gotta look that up but I, yeah okay well that's cool yeah so um, if you want to look up the uh relation you talking to them or me the the listener oh okay um do you are you ready to go to the next segment let's go all right What's a going on? What's a going on? What's a going on? What's a going on? What's a going on up there? What is a going on? All right. This is our uh, What's a Going On segment where we discuss uh, all the current events that are going on around the world that we find interesting. Um, so uh, I had these like uh, written down in a specific order. Um, and then once you started telling me about some of the stuff you, that you were going to be talking about during the Christmas segment, I decided to, like, reorder them. Okay. And do the most interesting one last. Okay. Because um, I feel like that's that's going to take us a little while. So, um, bear with me. Uh, I reordered these uh, as best as I could. Uh, so, we'll start off with the first story. Uh, and it's uh, alcohol news. Oh. Um, so, a brewery and a creamery teamed up in Oregon... To create a new product. Ooh, what's that? Blue cheese beer. Oh. Uh, it's called Cool Shit Beer Number no. Six, and it's a lambic style ale using blue cheese in aged oak barrels for two years. Ew. Yeah. Wait a minute. Is it blue cheese fl- flavored beer or beer che- flavored blue cheese? It's blue cheese flavored beer. Ew. Yeah. Um, they, like, as if they could make beer taste worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But that's not the only thing uh, this holiday season uh, that's being introduced into the alcohol market. Um, Doritos is introducing a nacho cheese flavored booze. Uh, it's called Doritos Nacho Cheese Vacuum Distilled Spirit. Uh, it's going to cost $65 for a 750 milliliter bottle. Um, so I guess that's like the average you would spend for like a $20 bottle of like vodka or like Svetka or something. Smirnoff? No. A handle? 70, 750 milliliters? Yeah. That's like two of these. Okay, you're holding up a like a water bottle, Poland spring water bottle. Yeah, this is, this is. I'm, I'm no, it's a li- less than two of these. This is 500 milliliters. Oh, so it's one of those skinny. So it's like one and a half of of these. Okay, so one of those skinny like vodka bottle or whiskey bottles or whatever. So yeah, sixty five dollars. Uh, Ew. Since it's a flavored spirit and not a sp- of a specific category of liquor, uh, Doritos recommends mixing it with tequila or mezcal. To make a Bloody Mary or a margarita. So it's not like an official, like, vodka or whiskey or gin. You know what I mean? It's because... It's like a cordial or whatever? Well, because it's distilled from vacuum uh, technology nacho cheese. I don't understand that process, but I don't think we have time to walk through it. That sounds so disgusting. What I want to know is that if you take both of these things, right, and combine them, do you get uh, Cool Ranch Dorito-flavored liquor? Oh, Maybe. I could see. Are they going to team up? I don't think so. No, because that Cool Ranch is ranch. You're talking about blue cheese. Those are two different flavor profiles, my friend. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had this argument before. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you remember when they actually had, like, the, the buffalo blue cheese Doritos? Uh, they were around for, like, a year, I feel like. No, I don't think I remember those. They were good. But... Buffalo soja. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, so you, you won't be trying any of those... God, no. <laughs> Cheese flavored alcohol. I do like a Bloody Mary. So for a second I was like, no, no, but I'm not a fan, fan of Doritos. Yeah. Yeah. Like nacho cheese. Is it going to be like Doritos nacho cheese or just nacho cheese? You know what I mean? Yeah, like with the Doritos stank on it. It's, yeah. It has a Dorito stank Ugh, on it. God, yeah. No. Um, so this next story I wanted to talk to you about, uh, the governor, I don't know if you heard about this, the governor of Hawaii, wants to convert vacation homes uh, to housing for the uh, wildfire survivors. Hmm. Uh, Governor Josh Green says he wants to, he wants 3,000 condos and homes that are normally rented to Maui Maui tourists uh, converted to long-term housing for displaced wildfire wildfire survivors who are now living in hotels. Uh, Green was quoted in saying that he is prepared to use the hammer of post-fire emergency orders to make sure owners of short-term vacation rentals extend them to long-term units if enough spaces aren't converted voluntarily by mid-January. Uh, so he's basically saying he's going to use the power of the government to like make these people that like own either timeshares or like uh, was that a thing called that like app? rental properties? Yeah, was that app Airbnb? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess a lot of people own, like, homes on Maui that use them for that, and they're, like, considered short-term leases. So they, the governor wants those people to convert them, I guess, the contracts to long-term housing for, like, the people that lost their homes in the fire. Um, 
What? That's crazy. The governor said... Uh, I mean, they should, but... The governor said there are more than 6,000 residents still living in hotels more than four months after the August 8th wildfire wiped out uh, most of Lahaina. Uh, the vast majority don't have anywhere else to go, given the extreme housing shortage on Maui. Uh, FEMA sent letters to 13,000 short-term rental operators across Maui, informing them that the agency would offer to pay the same rent that they earned during the previous year for their units. Uh, Green said it was currently costing 350 to $500 a day uh, to house a family in a hotel room. Um, I thought that next to last part was interesting, um, that FEMA would offer them the money that they got in the previous year, which is which was a, a COVID recovery year. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So they're like, yeah, it's weird to me that they um, would tell people that uh, they would only offer them like what the highest they got was the previous year. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, the people that own like homes that they're not living in are like part of the problem. So like, I feel like that's kind of a fair thing. Like if you're not using it, yeah. it's not like there's, well, I, at the same time, no, I don't know. The whole thing's fucked up. I mean, I guess if they're getting money, right. And it's the people that live there that lost their homes. It's kind of like their land, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why like the whole thing is kind of like, a mind fuck because at the end of the day like if somebody has property the government shouldn't tell you what to do with it right but at the same time like we did it to the fucking native people so maybe <laughs> yeah, exactly you know it's time for them to get some humble pie do you think this is like uh, an example of like government overreach where like or is it an example know. of them doing it correctly i don't know i have uh... I feel like it, it might be doing it correctly. Yeah. Honestly, in a way, because if these people are not like if, if it's not putting them out in any way, like if they're if it's not making people leave their homes to mm -hmm. let those people live there and it's not like making it so that they can't pay their bills or whatever, if they put them there, then that's one thing. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And if they, yeah, like if they're not leave, losing anything, but. I mean, I guess you could potentially lose more of the income than what, like, another renter would pay. My thing is, if they, like, force them to go into, like, one of these contracts with these, like, short-term leases that are going to be converted to long-term leases, does that mean that they're going to, like, give up their right to that land? The land that burnt down? Yeah. Because um, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess they're going to have to, like, come up with some sort of, like, insurance policy for everybody that lost stuff and decide, like, okay, it's worth this much. And, you know, it's probably going to fuck people over. Right. The yeah. way it always does. Yeah. And they've been trying to convert that land that they were on to some kind of, like, housing projects, right? Anyway. I believe so. Yeah. yeah so. And I, I think I read somewhere that Zuckerberg was planning to do some weird like tunnel system underneath like his compound. Ah, tunnel system, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Um, so uh, in another example of uh, the government doing things that really doesn't matter, uh, for this next uh, story, I kind of have a sound clip uh, courtesy of CNN.com. Uh, it's like a... I guess a, a, a rundown of what happened uh, with this story. Um, so basically, the Pennsylvania House of Representatives voted to pass a, rev a resolution recognizing 2023 as the Taylor Swift era in Pennsylvania. 
the resolution passed with a vote of 103 to 100. So I'm going to play this sound clip and then we can talk about it afterwards. Resolution recognizing the year 2023 as the Taylor Swift era in Pennsylvania. Will the House agree to the resolution? Taylor Swift's home state voted for a resolution recognizing 2023 as the Taylor Swift era. Swift was born in West Reading, Pennsylvania in 1989. The Pennsylvania House resolution pitted the haters against the Swifties, leading to some bad blood. House resolutions are not legislation, and their consideration should not be a function of our government. I urge a no vote on this resolution and suggest we get back to actually governing. Thank you, Madam Speaker. For the members' information, House resolutions are legislation, and apparently the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Madam Speaker, I, I relish the opportunity today to talk about Taylor Swift. And I know that the hour is late and we have much to do, so I will be swift in my remarks. Because, <laughs> Madam Speaker, although we are honoring Taylor Swift here on the floor of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, on a few nights before the end of the year, when we are going to take an almost three-month hiatus because I understand there may be a leak that's two years old in the ceiling. The gentleman yeah. will suspend and members are reminded to contain their comments to House Resolution 282. This is not open mic night. The resolution celebrated Swift's impact as a, quote, cultural and economic force. This resolution is a love story, so baby, let's just say yes. In the end, the Pennsylvania State House of Representatives approved the resolution in a close vote. The vote on the resolution, the yeas are 103, the nays are 100. The resolution is adopted. So there you go. So uh, the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Dude, uh, I like, when you played that <laughs> shit for me the other day, and I'm like, honestly, this makes me so angry that my eyes are tearing up. Um, <laughs> well, you said when you, you cry when you're happy, too. The, that's true, but this isn't a feeling of happiness that I'm having. Um, when you played it the other day, I thought it was Jim Carrey doing some sort of weird SNL impersonation or yeah. some shit. I cannot believe that's real. They all had to get their uh, little quips in. You saw that? How, like, get, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that's okay. what, that's what the Pennsylvania House of Representatives is doing. Uh, instead of figuring out, I don't know, maybe the homeless problem. Where the fuck is Doug Fetterman? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, where do we go from there? What, what do, uh, Literally, I don't even know what that means. Like, what is it? What did we? What did they vote on? They voted to make 2023 the year of Taylor Swift or the Taylor Swift era of Pennsylvania. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. God. So it's officially adopted into the legislation. What does that even fucking mean? One year is not an era. I think they have like a. Uh, they have like a, a, a like a what's that called? A constitution for like every state. Don't they gotta like add these like to it? There's there's too many fucking constitutions in this <laughs> goddamn place. Per fifty constitutions. Uh, yeah, maybe. One is there fifty one states? No, just fifty. Fucking kidding me! Why would I live in the one where they decide to venerate Taylor Swift? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all weird. Uh, but keeping on with the weird. Uh, Law stuff in Pennsylvania, we have to sacrifice an alpaca for Thanksgiving, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
But yeah, keep it in that uh, kind of same vein. Uh, I thought this story was funny. Uh, there was a 17-year-old law clerk who just became the youngest person to ever pass the California bar exam. Uh, this guy's name is Peter Park, like, <laughs> like Spider-Man. Uh, he passed the exam this year on his first attempt. Uh, in 2019, he simultaneously enrolled in high school and a four-year Juris Doctor program at Northwestern California University School of Law. So he did high school and college simultaneously. Uh, he was quoted... Well, this guy's a fucking nerd, though. Because he was quoted as saying, uh, I aspire to become a prosecutor because I am driven by a moral obligation to uphold liberty, equality, and justice in society. I admire how prosecutors keep our community safe and bring closure to victims. Uh, Park turned 18 last month. Uh, he graduated high school in 2021 and continued his law school career until he graduated from there in 2023. Um, of the 7,500 people who took the bar exam in July this year, uh, the overall pass rate was only 52%. Uh, and this kid was one of them, 17 years old, and he's the youngest uh, lawyer, practicing lawyer in California. I'm going to send that to my fucking 15-year-old who <laughs> just got me a fucking court hearing. Wait, we don't have to. Uh, but, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, this next story, uh, the mother of a six-year-old uh, who shot his teacher in Virginia was just sentenced to two years in prison uh, for felony child neglect. Uh, Deja Taylor was sentenced earlier this week for that charge. Uh, she was also sentenced last month to 21 months in federal prison for using marijuana while owning a gun, uh, which is illegal under federal law. Uh, and that brings the total amount to nearly four years behind bars. Uh, Taylor's son told authorities that he got his mother's 9mm by climbing onto a drawer to reach the top of a dresser uh, where the gun was in his mom's purse. Uh, he hid the weapon in his backpack before shooting his teacher in front of her entire first grade class. What? Uh, Taylor's attorneys uh, said that there were mitigating circumstances surrounding the situation, uh, <laughs> including several miscarriages, uh, postpartum, schizoaffective disorder, and bipolar. Uh the funny, <laughs> I thought the funny. What would that have to do with her son trying to kill his teacher? She said that because of that, that was because the, I guess maybe that's she's trying to uh, beat the weed charge with that. Oh. Um. But the funniest part of the story is that uh, <laughs> uh, the boy uh, allegedly said after uh, shooting the teacher, uh, and this is a quote: uh, "I shot that bitch dead while he was being restrained." <laughs> Did she die? No, no, no. He shot her, I think, uh, in the hand. Oh. <laughs> and, but she hasn't returned to teach it because I guess she's got like a lawsuit pending. Yeah, fuck that. I would so never return So she's like, either. I'm, I'm scared of these first graders. What the hell? <laughs> any one of them might be packing at any moment. You what never was know. the mitigating circumstances around that? Like, what did she do to piss him off so much? Oh, you think it was one of those situations? They didn't say? No. You just said I shot that bitch? You just said I shot that bitch dead. I would want to know, like, what would possess a child to, like, get, get like, to, to plan that out? Like, she, what, did she give him too much homework or something? <laughs> you think that's what it was? I'm curious. She told him his drawing sucks. What is motivating a fucking first grader? <laughs> yeah. Um... 
going in the we'll go to this next story going in the same vein as the uh the family court thing uh there was a belgian family that just discovered uh that they had a stolen piece of uh pompeii uh in their basement for over 50 years uh rafael de tenerman uh who's 80 and his son gert <laughs> said they visited italy in 1975 and while touring the city of Pompeii, they were approached by a man who offered to sell them a souvenir. Uh, the souvenir was some carved stones depicting uh, a scene. Uh, the stone, uh, they took the stone home. Uh, the stone was installed in a stairway at the family home. And uh, little thought was given to it until this year uh, when Raphael was preparing to move and his son, again, uh, Gert, uh, G-E-E-R-T, <laughs> Uh, decided to have the Geert. Geert, he decided to have the object appraised. So the dad, the family was moving out of the house, and they remembered that they had that souvenir that they put like as a decoration, uh, as part of the stairway that they built. Um, so he was like, "Oh shit, we got this like artifact or this like souvenir from like the seventies. Maybe it's worth money." Um, so they decided to have it appraised. Uh, pair specialists from a museum in Rome. Uh, visited the home to inspect the stone, and the next day, the family was visited by police officers. Uh, the family was surprised to learn that the stairway decoration was an authentic Pompeii artifact <laughs> uh, that had been reported stolen 50 years earlier. Uh, Geertz said that he will comply with whatever plans authorities devised for the return of the stone to Pompeii, uh, but he is hoping for some financial compensation. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys could have it, but... How crazy is that, though, that they bought it as, like, a joke? And they were like, oh, this is a fucking... This is a tchotchke that some loser on the, on the streets of Pompeii is selling me. I wonder how many of those, like, went missing. And how much did they charge for it? I'm t- I'm, this is the, these are the questions I have. How much did you pay for that? Well, if it's a souvenir... How big was it? Oh, they didn't say. I saw a picture though. It looked like a little, like like a little. You know how you could buy those uh, things at Home Depot, like the mosaic tile things. Yeah, like one tile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like that. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm just saying, like it's significant enough to have been reported missing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like, somebody just like ran by and grabbed it and was like, hey, hey. You want a you want a cool souvenir, <laughs> and then they fucking just like like smuggled it out of the country by accident. <laughs> How much money you think you think? Do you think they'll get more money for it now than what they paid for it originally, or will it be one of those things where they're like, "Come on, man, just do the right thing." Oh, I don't know. I mean, how does it work as far as like when the the government finds out that you have like relics, ancient relics? Well, these dummies fucking admitted to it. I would have been like, oh, I was here when I came here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Why that's would they true. fucking admit to it? F- I mean, maybe they didn't really realize, like, what... Uh, and plus, when they had it appraised, they had to tell them how they got it. I'm sure it wasn't, true. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Huh. That's interesting, though. It makes me want to, like, look into, like, uh, old houses... And just to see, like, if, like, anything's part of, like, the fucking, like, foundation or whatever. Yeah. Any fucking stones from, like, Gobeki Tepe in here? 
Oh, man. How would you even know, right? Who knows? You would have to get them, like, carbon dated or some shit. I don't know. I just saw a piece of glass that got sold at Goodwill for three ninety nine. went for auction for $100,000. You think they plant those stories to get people to go to Goodwill Part of more? me does, because now they've probably upped, since that article came out, like, two days ago, they probably upped their prices, like, three times. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. They're the worst. Um, so, here's the last story, and... I know, you've been teasing me with this for, like, over 24 hours. I got so excited because it started off with just me, like, looking up stories to talk about, right? Like, news stories. Mm -hmm. And I read about the one, like, the base news story about it. And then I started to look into, like, what it actually meant. And it has a lot to do with the things that uh, me and you have been discussing, like, off the podcast. But also, like, uh, earlier when you were talking about the history of Christmas and stuff. So, uh Keep all those things in mind that you discussed earlier, all the weirdness, and see if you can make any connections with what I'm about to tell you. Okay. Um, and for those listening at home, this will probably be the last story in the last segment, so if you're easily bored, you could just shut it off right now. It's fine. Um, but if you want to learn some cool shit that's going to help you connect some dots, stay tuned. Um, so, uh, do you remember Notre Dame? Yeah. The cathedral in France? Yeah, the one that burned. Yeah. Um, so they just placed a new rooster on the top of Notre Dame, uh, the spire. Uh, the rooster is made out of golden copper and replaces the old rooster that had crashed through the roof along with the wooden spire during the fire that ravaged the cathedral in 2019. Uh, the old rooster was found dented but nearly intact. Uh, the day after the fire, and will be displayed in a new Notre Dame museum. Uh, the new rooster was blessed by the Archbishop of Paris during a ceremony. Uh, inside the rooster, there will be religious relics and a parchment with a list of the name of workers, as well as donors and patrons. Uh, Notre Dame is set to reopen for religious services in December 2024. Uh let me just read to you what the religious artifacts are that they're going to put inside of this rooster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they include fragments of the crown of thorns, remains of St. Denis and St. Genevieve, and a sealed tube containing the list of names of nearly 2,000 individuals who contributed to the reconstruction. Um, so the first couple things, the... Uh, bits of remains from the saints and the fragments of the crown of thorn does that remind you of that yule log thing that you were talking about yeah a little bit weird right so yeah. they put these things in the the breast of the statue and it just sits up there um but it makes me wonder what was in the old one which they haven't like revealed Oh, shit. You think there were things in the old one? There must have been, because I don't think this is, like, a new, like, thing that they're doing. Is that what that fucking Alice in Chains song is about? What? Which one? Here come the stuff, the rooster. Well, yeah, okay, so it's funny you ask. So, once I read this headline, I was like, wait a minute, okay, what is up with the rooster? Why is there a rooster made out of golden copper on the top of this church and it made me think of like the weather vanes and Mm -hmm. shit and i remember in an earlier episode we talked about that a little bit um but so it it made me go into like a deep dive with the history of like why it's a rooster right Mm -hmm. so um the rooster is apparently an 
emotive national em- emblem for the French. Uh, rooster in French is cock, uh, C-O-Q. Um, roosters represent the dawn of a new day and were seen as the protectors of the rest of the flock as they remain uh, vigilant over uh, things by perching up top, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one that they uh, use is called the Gaelic rooster. Um, in Latin, rooster is Gaelus, G-A-L-L-U-S, and Gali is Gaelus. Gauls. Yeah, making them homonyms. Gaul was the region of Western Europe encompassing present-day France, Belgium, Luxembourg, and parts of Switzerland, the Netherlands, Germany, and Northern Italy. Yep. Uh, that's like that's like the Welsh. Yeah. So let me tell you this: you were talking about Julius Caesar and uh, rolling all those uh, pagan traditions into one thing, right? Yeah. So reviews of Gallic religious schemes indicate that Mercury was often portrayed with the cockerel or the rooster, as a sacred animal among the continental Celts. Julius Caesar identified some gods worshipped in Gaul by using the names of their nearest Roman god rather than their Gaulish names, with Caesar saying that Mercury was the god most revered in Gaul. The Irish god Lug led to the widespread identification of Caesar's Mercury as Lugas, yeah, Luke's and also not. the sacred cockerel as an emblem of France. So there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, but it, I feel like it's connected to a bunch of the shit that we were talking about. Already. Well, Lugnazd, Lugsat. Remember, I said that was the, the Irish uh, Thanksgiving. Right. That's yeah. one of the uh, Sabbaths that, like, if you're like, I don't know, they say it's Wiccan people that celebrate like the seven. Sabbath, Lugnaz, Lugnaz, I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, that's the name of that holiday. Okay, so anyway, so Lugnasad. so the the relation between roosters or cockerels and the like, the big guy, the big god, that came from the Celts saying that the rooster was often portrayed with this one guy who was like their main guy. So when Julius Caesar came around, he was like, oh, that's their main guy. Well, in every other place, the main guy is Mercury. So we're just going to call him Mercury. So then that relationship between Mercury and the rooster was created. Hmm. Um, So this next part, uh, the rooster's association with France dates back to the Middle Ages and is due to the play on words in Latin. Uh, like we talked about earlier, it's a homonym. Uh, rooster in Latin is the same word as uh, from Gaul in Latin. Oh. Um, so its use of the enemies of France also dates back to the Middle Ages. And it was used as a pun to make fun of the French. So they would call like, you know, a cocksucker or whatever. And you were talking about like a rooster sucker, but that meant a French person. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, The association between the rooster and the French was later further developed by the kings of France uh, France for the strong Christian uh, symbol that the rooster represents. Uh, So this was, I think, during the Constantine times uh, that we were talking about earlier. Um, 
was it Constantine? That we were talking about that that went around and fucking. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh yeah, it was Constantine, and then I think Caesar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One or the other, but they they were both in the doing the same shit. So I think uh, the French were going with Christianity, right? Because they were like, we got if we go with these guys, they got like a bunch of riches and armies and shit that they can provide us with, right? Yeah. So they were looking for a way to foster uh, different Christian symbols within the French culture, right? So uh, all the kings were like, uh, you know. They're relate. The rest of the world is like considering us like uh, associated with roosters, but let's use the roosters' association with Christianity to make the French people believe in Christianity even deeper. Um, okay. So here's the connection between the rooster and Christianity, right? Prior to being arrested, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed the following morning. Okay. At the rooster's crowing, Peter remembered Jesus' words. Its crowing at the dawn of each new morning made it a symbol of the daily victory of light over darkness and good over evil. Uh, It is also the emblem of the Christian's attitude of watchfulness and readiness for the sudden return of Christ. Uh, That is why during the Renaissance, the rooster became a symbol of France as a Catholic state and became a popular Christian image on weather vanes. What? Yep. Crazy, right? That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So Does like, that have anything to do with the cock and bulls so association, I wonder? Maybe. But it uh, makes me think about uh, how, like, the rooster is associated with, like, Christian shit, and that's why, like, the nighttime birds are associated with, like, evil Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what that, the, the Nordic folklore was, like, the wren and then the robin, and it was, like, the winter birds versus the summer birds mm. or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. whatever is, I, I feel like the, those, the Nordic people and those, that, what, if that was a different religion that they were following, mm. they were more, like, keeping the light going where it seemed like the Christian church was trying to like ward off evil during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like a different stance. Well, I wonder if they like absorbed one of those religions that had a thing of good and evil. And then it became like one of the dominating things of the actual religion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because that thing I was telling you about with like putting the chalk on the the door during, Mm -hmm. uh, the, um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Rooster Christ. Oh my gosh, no. During the um Enigma? Oh, uh what was it called? I just had the word. The what was it? Epiphany. Epiphany, ah. yeah. I just had an epiphany. I made that joke earlier. I know, but I can't remember the word, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh but yeah, wow. Okay, so Yeah, so uh every time you see a weather vane or any type of like rooster like on top of like a um barn or like a a house or whatever it's usually like a church it's supposed to be like a symbol of like protection for christians in that place and i think the way we talked about it in one of the earlier episodes is that was their way of saying like if you put this on top of your house lightning won't come get you and burn your house down yeah you know what i mean because it'll like channel it down 
to the earth the way it's supposed to, and it won't, like, go through your window or whatever the fuck. So it's like a lightning rod, kind of. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, which they also, like, started using for energy at some point. Yeah, I know there was, like, some discrepancy about whether or not they were going to do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just to wrap it up, uh, the popularity of the rooster as a national personification uh, for the French faded away until the resurgence during the French Revolution. Uh, during this time, their traditional perception of the origin of France was modified. Uh, until then, the origins of France were dated back to the baptism of Clovis I in 496, uh, who was considered the first Christian king of France. Uh, the people rejected this royalist and Christian origin of France and eventually traced the origins of the country back to ancient Gaul. Uh, today, the rooster is often associated as a national mascot in France and also Belgium. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy how those places have changed, like, hands. You know what I mean? So many times in that area. Like. Well, yeah. Well, I guess because. Gaul. It's like the cradle of civilization. Oh, I wonder if that means anything. <laughs> yeah. But how weird is that? Like, so many connections to all the shit that we were talking about earlier. We were talking about the the burning of the thing and keeping the ashes, right? And, yeah. Uh, the different pieces of wood and, and shit that you, like, place in some place that's supposed to, like, help you, like, remember stuff or Yeah, whatever. to give you good luck for, like, the next year or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. weird that they don't let it, you know, I wonder if there was anything in the other... The other rooster. How funny is it that it's but, another example of that whole, like, tired, good versus evil story? Yeah, like, I know. We've it's heard like, it already. <laughs> it's so damaging, I think, to people in general because they can't get out of that paradigm. Because I feel like you're, you're always looking over your shoulder to, like, who's the who's the they that's coming after us for doing whatever. Right, and yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of, like, shifted the way I think about a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, I know definitely now, every time I see a rooster in some type of painting, it's going to change my perception of what that meant. Yeah, you know what? Remember I showed you that freaking story? Um, it was about, like, uh, it, w it was Middle Ages, actually, probably Christmas time, where they took the um, pee of the deer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we didn't even start talking about yet. Yeah, yeah. But it was like they, were, they would drink that, what is it, mus muscaria? Uh, Elon Muscaria. What's the name of that mus the mushrooms that that the deer would eat or whatever? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The the Mario mushrooms. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, like on this postcard, they were roosters running around. People oh. like like dressed as roosters, or I'm sorry, like it would look like a rooster sized person with clothes on. Yeah, you ever see uh, Animaniacs? Yeah. We're disguised just like human guys, but you're not a man, you're a chicken boo. <laughs> and it was just a chicken that would go around with like a mustache or like a hat on and everybody treated him like a human, but he he just acted like a chicken. <laughs> that's a great bit. Uh that's really crazy though. Um all the symbolism and stuff that people do around the world constantly, like right under our noses. And I'm like, is this just everybody has like the same amount of like uh, superstition mm. or is it like serving a greater thing? Well, is the rooster the type of animal that could be like found on any continent? I think it is, right? Maybe. Yeah. Huh. Probably. It's funny that it's the Gaelic rooster, though. Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot to stamp that language out. Also, uh, from now on, I'm going to call uh, 
when two French people fight cockfighting. Yo. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's good. All right. I think we should end on that one. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Actual Comedy Presents an Actual Podcast. We hope it wasn't too boring. Uh, this is our second of the third Christmas episodes that we're going to do, so uh, keep your eye out. Yeah, keep your pants on. Keep your pants on and your eyes out and uh, keep your, your yules burning. Yes. And get some of that crown of thorn magic. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Put a rooster on your house if you're a good Christian, and we will talk to you next time. Peace. really stink. We were just singing the baby to sleep. Wake up, little Betty Bites. Have you been Betty Bites? It was waking me up. When I lay me down to sleep. When the soul identifies with Maya, it forgets. Thus the soul is temporarily in darkness. It is deluded, and it dreams the mortal dream. Becoming increasingly involved and confused, the soul remains bound up with the world. The intuitive faculty becomes suppressed and its perception of truth blotted out.